Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The surge of story this past weekend, which we will, we will get into. Uh, full disclosure, um, I do work for the surge on their community side and was there present uh, for the home opener and will be there tomorrow when they play game number two against Niagara at seven o'clock at Winsport. Um, do feel like we've got a lot of ground to cover. Now, at, at one point last week, it kind of figured like we were going to move into the Stanley Cup final before the end of May that that we would have a, a couple of teams to talk about. We have one in Florida who uh, who swept Carolina. Um, that one, <clears throat> a little interesting to me too, that uh, uh, there was a sweep. Like I first two rounds, Jersey, the Islanders, Carolina looked like killers. They just looked like killers. And I, I would not suggest for a second that the uh, Florida Panthers uh, blew the doors off of uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, but they did sweep them, um, much to the chagrin of Rod Brindamore, who uh, has come out with, you know, the comments that, while it's not fair, we didn't really lose the series. We, you know, people look at the number and go, well, it must have been a blowout. It wasn't a blowout. No, Rod, it wasn't a blowout, but you lost the series. Um, somehow, some way, the Dallas Stars remain alive. They play Vegas tonight at home. Um, game six. Um, interesting that I, I believe the number on Dallas is five. They are now the fifth team in a conference final to fall behind three games to none and force and force a game six if I am, and this is off the top of my head, but according to the NHL, uh, no team has ever forced a game seven in this scenario in the conference final. But you're saying, Rob, teams have come back. Yes, they have. They have come back from three games down, but not in the conference final as I understand it. So Dallas trying to do something uh, that I, quite honestly, and, and again, I, you know, this is why we don't really have a, a gambling sponsor on this program. Uh, I'm not the right guy to talk about this. I think I've missed on everything, absolutely everything this spring. Um, I thought I thought Vegas was up three games to none and Dallas was dead, especially with Jamie Ben removing himself uh, from you know from the game as quickly as he did in game four. Um, but he sat two out or game three, I guess. He sat two out. The team rallied. Uh, Delandria, Robertson has been good. Ottinger looks more like the Jake Ottinger of old. Um, I still think it's really uphill to suggest that you're going to beat the Vegas Golden Knights um, two straight games here to finish it off. Uh, Vegas, though, in clinching games on the road are four and six lifetimes. So this is not a power position for them. 
Uh, so again, NHL continues. Uh, if you were listening to Barn Burner today, you've heard the good news. Uh, Mike Soroka has been recalled by the Atlanta Braves, the Calgarian who hasn't pitched, uh, I believe Ryan was saying, in over a thousand days in the majors will uh, take them out in uh, Oakland. So he's still not quite back in the majors. He's playing for a major league team, but uh, not in a major league city anymore. Uh, having said that, that's just tongue in cheek. Uh, nice to have the kid back up there. Uh, he's been on barn burner before I've gotten to know him uh, through his uh, association with kids Sport Calgary as an ambassador, uh, just a really cool kid who tells a great story of growing up wanting to be Mika Kiprasov, and here he is in the major leagues. And I, I if he gets back to where he was, you know, all-star in his rookie year, uh, the, the world is his oyster. There is no limit for one Mike Soroka. So with that said, let's dive into a couple of things. Cammy Kepke will join us in a little while. Uh, reminder, because I haven't been here in a while, we are broadcasting from Treaty 7 territory, proud to do so. This is a uh, inclusive this is an inclusive podcast. You know, I got one job around here. Jack gets everything done. I just sit in this fancy chair. All that's all I have to do. And then I forget to do my job. Um, I'll put that up there. By the way, happy voting day. Um, this is an inclusive podcast. Uh, and it is it is election day, provincial election here in Alberta. Um, so of course you tuned into a sports podcast for politics, right? Probably not. We might talk about it later on, but probably not. Um, uh, where should we start? Well, no, let's go to this. Danny Austin. Let's talk about Danny Austin for a second, because Danny has done an awesome job. Uh, whenever I have to tap out, Danny has, uh, graciously jumped on board and, and hosted the show and it's been fun. It's been good. He is uh, way better than a average guest host is supposed to be. Um, you know, just really got to know Danny this spring. I've always known him, but really got to know him here this spring. And I'm really, really excited that he's agreed to be part of this and help us out. Um, so somebody said, well, where did you go last? I didn't go anywhere. Um, I just at a point right now where business is, is booming. And, um, this is, this has been my life. Broadcasting has been my life for, for pretty much, uh, most of my adult life. Uh, but now it's kind of the extra, it's the uh, bonus for me. So my regular business, my consulting business has been so busy that I, I just needed Danny to step in last week so that we could do some stuff. So I appreciate that. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. I don't think Danny's going anywhere, uh, but really appreciate him stepping into the breach and, and, and talking to you. And, and again, great guests and, and great opinions. And to me, it's Calgary based. That's, that's all we can ever ask for. All right. Speaking of Calgary based, shall we, should we, we, maybe we should um, jump in and talk about the new general manager for the Calgary flames, Craig Conroy, uh, seventh day on the job, seventh day on the job. Um, someone joked to me that uh, they told them the Friday before the long weekend, and it was painful because he couldn't share that news because he couldn't tell anybody. And, and Connie is everything that everybody says about him. He is um, a character. He is a very bright guy. Um, he's a, to a certain extent, what you see is what you get. Not, not, and there's a little bit there that I, I don't want to push back on a narrative, but watching and, and kind of sitting the first week out of this news story uh, was a little difficult. I won't lie to you. Um, 
because of course I have a lot of opinions on this. I, I start off this conversation by saying we're friends. We've been friends for a long time. Um, He's always been the first guy to reach out to me when something happens. He's always the first guy to reach out, make sure I'm good. Um, We have terrific conversations that I wish we could put on the air, but we can't. Um, I know how much this means to him. Um, I know that I, I I don't know. I, 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 this was the dream for him. Like when he says the dream was Calgary, the dream was Calgary. Now he has applied, I believe Buffalo was out there as one of the players. He's been in conversations about, you know, general manager roles before. Um, he has created a lot of contacts. Uh, more importantly for me, if you look at the body of work, um, there you go, all the way back, oof, former captain. And then he, 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 he gave that up for Jerome. He made that decision. Uh, I know that I got caught flat-footed earlier this year saying, oh, no, no, no. Craig gave that captaincy to Jerome. Uh, that's the kind of leader he is. He saw it. He knew it. He was there to support Jerome. Left and went to Los Angeles. A uh, bit of a bone of contention for him and I because he felt that I was somewhat critical of him and, and the amount of money he got, and I probably was. I pr- at the time, I probably was. Didn't begrudge it, just was more of a matter-of-fact thing, and and that's the challenge when you're on this side and, and the, you know, the other guy's on the other side. It, it's, it's hard for it not to be critical. Um, but he has done everything. I, I don't know what else, outside of already being a GM, there's nothing else he could have done to prepare himself for this. Uh, he has coached when he's been asked to coach. He's been on the bench when he's been asked to be on the bench. He's been upstairs when he's been asked to be upstairs. He's scouted in Europe. He's talked to free agents. A, a lot has been made about his role in signing Johnny Gaudreau, that he was out there with a contract in hand, ready to get Gaudreau, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered, and brought him back, and he did. Gaudreau played his his final game in, in April 13th, or, or pardon me, his first game, not his final game. His first game as a flame, April 13th of 2014. And, and it was Craig Conroy that brought him and Billy Arnold back. Um, he's been in various locations on June or July 1st for free agency to, to talk to guys, to be there for guys, to try and sell them on Calgary. Cause there's nobody better to sell uh, this city, this organization than Craig Conroy. Um, he has not always agreed with decisions that have been made. And I think you saw a bit of that in the press conference that if it were up to him, he would, you know, have done things differently. And I think we can all relate to that, but he's also been a very loyal soldier. He's also been a very, very loyal soldier. He's not a guy that puts knives in people's backs. He's not a guy that, um, makes snide comments as much as he's a guy that tries to make things work. Even at the as bad as things got this year, it was never Craig complaining about how bad things were. It was Craig talking about solutions and and finding ways. And um, I just think they've got the right guy. I said it from the get go. My issue was never is Craig Conroy ready for this job? Is is he good enough for this job? My my thinking has always been the opposite. Is, is the Flames job good enough for Craig Conroy? 
Um, now, I've said it off the top. I will repeat it again. We're friends. We we have texted in the past. I have not talked to him. Texted. I've texted him, but I have not talked to him um, since he got the job. Um, hopefully, at some point, we we can have a conversation. Um, one of the things you do find with these stories that break is that right away the you know the the subject matter gets on every he was on Frank Saravelli's podcast which was excellent he was on Bob McCowan's podcast which was excellent he did 960 with Pat that was excellent he's done the initial round of interviews um, he's got a lot of work to do whenever he's got time he's got a, a, a open invite to come down on this podcast and, and talk to us and hopefully it'll be before the end of the summer I don't know um, but I am excited for him one of the things that I, I'm cautious about I, because it sounds like I'm being critical of my peers' work. And, and that's, that's not what this is intended to be. But I do want to suggest that there was almost an overreaction, an overcompensation, kind of the rubber band, you know, when you stretch out the rubber band and you release it, kind of snaps. Um, a lot was made last week about how friendly Craig is, how joyful he is, how his smile lights up a room, how nice a guy he is and how he wants, you know, to be fun to come to the rink and how he wants it to be fun to play. And I, I kept hearing this and I don't, this is not me suggesting any of that is tr wrong, but that's true. The only thing that I thought was missing in the coverage last week was this dog has bite. Don't, whatever you do, you underestimate Craig Conroy at your own peril. If you think he's just a happy-go-lucky, nice, ah, shucks kind of guy, and he is that, he still has the ability to make decisions, hard decisions, and he will have the ability to stand firm and be firm. So, Again, I want to be really careful about this because I don't want to be critical of my peer group. Um, I just thought a lot of the coverage because of where it was, you know, where we were a month ago with this team and it looking so solemn and so much a bubble to the surface and so many people were at each other's throats and it wasn't fun and it was dark and all of these things that I think it was a natural piece to pick up on. Um, talking to somebody last week who went to the press conference and said, how many press conferences have you been to? And we, we were kind of kicking around numbers because I've never seen anything like it. You got there. The room just felt different. The place just felt different. I was at the alumni golf tournament last week. The alumni love him. He's part of them. The alumni want to be a bigger part of this team. They're hoping that Craig can, can allow that. And that's not a criticism of Daryl or a criticism of Brad or anything like that. He just has that effect on people. They want to be there with that guy played in a charity hockey tournament this weekend. He just became a GM for the first time, but committed to a charity and he played in a charity hockey tournament this weekend. Just don't think he's an easy mark. And I, I, I worry about that. I, I'm not pointing at anybody's column. I'm not pointing at anybody's anything. But I did find 
that there seemed to be a bit of an overreaction that this guy's really nice. Yep. He's, he's fun. Yep. He, he's, he's great. Yep. But don't underestimate him. Please. You do that at your own peril. He is not going to come in here and be pushed over. Um, he is going to come in here with values. He's going to come in here with skill and he's going to come in here with a plan. Just as all general managers do. Not to suggest that Brad Tree Living didn't have that. And I want to talk about Brad in a second here, too. But not to suggest that Brad didn't have that. But think about our lives. Think about us. Think about all of us who have a boss. All of us who report to someone. And I've worked for some really good people. And I've worked for some really, really lousy leaders. They think they're good, but they're not. And... If you and I had a conversation about this guy or that guy, I might say to you, well, if I was him, I would do this or I would do that. I mean, we've said that. We do that. That's who we are. We're people. We have opinions. We have thoughts. But don't for a second think that this guy is going to come in and get pushed around by coaches, by other teams, other general managers. Yes, you know, the great Brad Treliving's line, you know, when something goes wrong, he's got 31 friends who have sales on anchors and they call right away. You need an anchor? I got an anchor. If there's a sale on anchors. Um, you're not going to get a lot of help. There's nobody who's going to come in and say, hey, Craig, it's your first trade. Why don't I, you know, why don't I make it better for you than it will be for me? It's the opposite. They're, these guys are, they're cutthroats. They're villains. They're all, they're buzzards. They're whatever terminology and cartoons you want to use. That's what they are. And Craig needs to be that too. Craig needs to be that too. He needs to be a cutthroat. He needs to do what's best for this hockey club. And he will. And he will. And I just, just wanted to say that. Because again, I feel like a lot of commentary out there was about how fun it is, how light it is. And that's, that's who the man is. When forced to make a decision, when, you know, if you if you think he won't walk away from a deal, if you think he won't cut a player, if you think he won't trade a player just because he's, oh, gosh, too darn nice, then you don't know Craig Conroy. I hope and pray and pulling for him to have success, and I'm not supposed to do that, but that's where I'm at in life. Um I'd rather be biased towards my friends and the people that I like and the people who make a difference in the community. That's another part of it. I mean, come on, you guys know me. You know what, you know what drives, drives me. This guy is the epitome of former flame, current flame, the flames in the community. He's, you know, you talk about him scouting, you talk about him, um, uh, you know, getting on the ice and working with centermen. You talk about him going to Abbotsford or to, you know, to Adirondack or, you know, for him to go scout Quebec league games or go over to Europe and try and sign free agents. He's done all that, but he's also done everything in the community too. He's also been everywhere in this community from the smallest thing. Again, special Olympics, Craig Conroy synonymous, right? Uh, missing children, Craig Conroy synonymous, the prep program, 12 years, Craig and I have done. Let's talk hockey to benefit the prep program. So we're getting the real deal in this guy, and I'm gushing over my friend, 
but I'm also going to defend my friend in one front before anybody else starts down this path. Oh, he's too nice for the job. He won't be. He'll be exactly the same that True Living was. Um, at the end of the day, he reports to Don Maloney, who reports to Murray Edwards. Um, it'll be interesting how ownership and upper management of the Flames evolve. Um, again, not to pick fights and not to throw rocks and things like that. Um, but it's also been watching uh, watching another friend of mine, Brad Treliving, um, kind of go through the ringer through Toronto. Well, what's he ever won? What's you know what's he done? What all of these sort of things. We have to always remember, people work for people. So uh, if I'm critical of Brad Tree Living's time in Calgary, I'm critical of some of the older free agent players that he gave a second chance to early on. Um, you know, Devin Sataguchi, uh, Grossman, those types of players. None of those killed this organization. None of those cost this organization much. But... He had a, it just seemed like he, you know, that was one area that Brad was, you know, you could be critical of. Um, couldn't be critical of his contracts because his contracts were considered some of the best in the National Hockey League. Um, ask Craig Conroy, who has to deal with the fallout from the uh, Elias Lindholm contract being so one-sided towards the team. Um, he's really good at that. Uh, talk to Elliot Friedman, talk to Frank Saravelli, talk to Darren Drager, any of these guys, Bob McKenzie, they'll tell you there wasn't a deal in this league that happened in nine years that Brad Living didn't try to force his way into. He was there on Eichel. He was there on everybody. And I know, but he never pulled the trigger. He never, doesn't matter. He was there. He always knew what was going on. He was always prepared, but he also worked for an employer. And the employer in that case, I think, has a little bit of a role to play. So him being evaluated for the Maple Leafs job, I, 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 I don't know when I heard it. I don't remember where I first heard it. But I do know when stuff started to leak out about the dis dysfunction within the Flames that he was being attached to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who at the time were riding you know, whatever crest or wave in this is January. I'm talking about whatever crest or wave they were in the regular season. And well, if Kyle Dubas doesn't win, he's out. Um, and, and Brad for living would covet that job. Okay. You hear a lot of that in the off season. That's easy fodder for people to write. Well, here we are. Um, Toronto wants a, a veteran general manager. Toronto wants a general manager with some calluses on his fingers. Um, uh, I think Brad Living would be a good general manager there, maybe a great general manager there. But what does Rogers, TSN, and Larry Tannenbaum want? Or Bell, I guess, the owners of the you know the Maple Leafs. What are what are the what are their marching orders? You know this this Dubis, Brendan Shanahan breakup, however we're going to call it is ugly and really appreciate uh, the fact that uh, we were doing it in real time with uh, Craig button a couple of weeks ago. And Jack told me today that I guess you guys liked it. Cause a lot of people watched it. Um, and we were doing it all in real time with Craig, but watching that breakup happen. And, and it's still somewhat stunning to me that you started a week with a guy, you know, being honest 
and forthright and laying out his priorities and you end the week with him being fired for being honest, forthright, and laying out his priorities. There's something about that. Um, You know, and then that, you know, that little story too uh, about uh, Shanahan coming out and being very honest and very forthright about Kyle Dubas uh, on the Friday and the next week, I think it was a week ago today or a week ago tomorrow that Dubas put out the, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about this. Uh, it, it's a soap opera. I think it it does show you a little bit of the inside, right? Like it does show you a little bit about how the sausage is made um, because you're watching this really ugly breakup and then you're trying to get the next guy to come in. And the next guy, in this case, you know, Brad Treliving has the blinders on. Like if this, you know, what happened, how this ends uh, doesn't sour Brad from wanting this job. Doesn't sour Toronto from wanting to hire. It's theatrics, it's drama, it's a lot of things. Um, I just, I'm really pulling for Brad. I, I hope, I hope he gets the opportunity. Um, I, it's a great Jay Feaster line. We were out one time. I think the statute of limitations has run out on this. We were out for dinner one time on the road, uh, right around American Thanksgiving. And Craig Conroy was the, uh, at the time, he wasn't at the dinner, but he was the special assistant to the general manager. And Jay Feaster and I were talking about, you know, the, the, the drought in Canada. At the, so this was, you know, 10 years ago or so, probably even, probably closer to 12 years ago or so. And, you know, Jay was saying to me that my number one job, and I tell Craig this all the time, he goes, We've got to win a Stanley Cup in Canada because if we're the next team that wins a Stanley Cup in Canada, they're going to put our faces on money. And I love that line. Like that's, you know, that's an admission of what it means. And, you know, Jay, that's what Jay said. You go to Toronto and you win, they'll put your face on money. A lot of comparison to this Toronto team in Vancouver uh, because of when they replaced Dave Nonis in Vancouver, who's now with the Flames. And brought in Mike Gillis. And Gillis got that team into a Stanley Cup final. Game 7 did not win. We are very resident to go to the past, aren't we, all the time? Well, this is what happened when we did this. This is what we happened when we did th- or what happened when we did that. Um, I don't know if Toronto's, you know, destined to take a big, giant leap forward. But if I'm Brad Treliving, absolutely I'm chasing this job. I'm, I'm taking big, wild swings. Uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? We are live today in the Oodle Noodle studio. We bring the heat, butter, chicken, mac and cheese, Kung Pao noodles, Bangkok Pad Thai Classic, vegetarian, gluten-free options, two locations in Calgary and area, 1244 5th Avenue Southwest and 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. And, of course, you can get pickup and delivery at both locations. Let's switch gears. Uh, again, full disclosure, I am currently employed by the Calgary Search as a community advisor and helping them build out their community program. So uh, you can take my biases as you wish, um, but I'm rather proud of the organization. I'm very proud of the city. Uh, It was extremely, extremely gratifying to watch a team come into our city and bring a sport that hasn't been here a while, the professional level that has long been considered, well, can you make it happen? Will it happen? Could it happen? 
Um, you know, the, the CEBL had been in Canada for four years, but it hadn't been in Calgary. And I always wondered if it would. And they brought the FIBA tournament here last year and played it at Windsport. And, the, the, you know, the, the overall reaction of that was good. Um, but Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, the Plaza at Windsport opened up and people came. And at four o'clock, we were supposed to tip off, but we had a giant line outside. So we, you know, I'm not supposed to say this, but we delayed the start so we could get everybody in the building. And when I finally got into the building and that game had just started, I have to tell you, it was amazing. Um, the noise, the passion, um, just from the get-go, this was not 3,000 looky-loos. This was 3,000 basketball aficionados. This was 3,000 sneakerheads. This was 3,000 uh, of Calgary from all quadrants, all makeup, all, all, everybody was there. And it was fun. It was so much fun. Um, let me tell you why it's important for me. Because, of course, I have to have an agenda on everything, right? I can't, it's just not good enough for Rob just to be happy. Rob's got to have an agenda. Well, my agenda is quite simple. I want sports in my city that can inspire kids so they can see themselves as being athletes or see themselves as being in sport, but see role models, come to the games and identify that, that you just, we need it. We have to have it. And because I do sit on the uh, kids sport board, um, I know how much interest there is in basketball. But I also know that a lot of that interest um, can come from some of our communities that aren't as affluent as other communities. And we need to lift them up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just going to take a glass of water here. And I think that <clears throat> the surge can do that. And I'm really excited about some of the programs that we're working on. I'm really excited that, you know, we have a surge assist program to give tickets to kids up front so that they can get kids from all across Southern Alberta out to see basketball. I'm really excited about the work that we're doing with uh, YYC soldiers and um, uh, status YYC who are kind of on the forefront of the sneaker culture here. And, and then again, this is all stuff I'm repeating as an old man uh, because it's really the kids that are driving it. but the sneaker stuff is awesome and every game we're going to have a different set of sneakers done by a different artist in town. And at the end of the year, we're going to auction them off and all those proceeds are going to go to our net gains program, which is going to help get basketball into locations and schools and communities that it needs to get into. We got to, you know, we got to build up that fund of funds, right? So a uh, neat thing we've got going is a legacy wall. So if you go to a game, if you go to the game tomorrow night at Winsport, check out the legacy wall. Uh, it's small. It's starting. But it's a great start because we hang the jerseys from the different clubs in town and identify the different clubs in town uh, because we want to tell this, the basketball story uh, in Calgary. Um, we have our friends, um, our First Nation friends joining us and prominently part of our, our plaza and prominently part of our displays and making sure that everybody feels welcome. It, that's that's the, the parts for me that I'm working on. The, the ticket sales, the merchandise, the on, I won't even, uh, that's Nelson can coach. I have no idea. I do know this, the three or four minutes that I was able to watch, I was loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, the target score, if you have not been, the target score, um, 
you know, it, it's confusing for some, but boy, does it make for an exciting game. It really makes an exciting game. Yesterday, uh, Calgary was down and out, down by 16 points when they set the target score, 16 points. They came all the way back. They outscored Edmonton, uh, went on a, a 25 to eight run and won, and this was the largest comeback ever in CEBL history in a target score. So th- there's a lot to like about this product. There, there's a lot going on with this product that I'm really excited about. Um, there's nine more home games and possibly a playoff game. I, I just hope that you give it a chance. I just hope you go out and try it, um, see what you think. Um, again, Tuesday game tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip-off. Um, I, I, I'm just blown away by some of the, the – and I call them kids because they're all kids to me. But there's a whole bunch of young people who are cutting their teeth in the sports world that are getting their first opportunity to – be involved in ticketing, be involved in um, the creation of the video content, the, the social content, working with the media, um, operations and things like that. And um, they're fun. It's fun to be around them. It really, really is. Uh, they're big hearts. Um, our two owners, Usman and, and Jason Ribeiro, uh, have a real passion for this. And I salute them. I, I really do. Um, it's, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We're going to get into a little bit more on the surge, uh, and we'll talk a little bit, probably more about Craig Conroy in a second. But before we do that, quickly sliding back because I wasn't watching my notes real quick. Congratulations to Mackenzie Weger, uh, to Tyler Toffoli and Milan Lucic, along with uh, Kent Kabelka and Sean O'Brien of the Calgary Flames. They all hoisted gold as Canada beat Germany 5-3 yesterday at the World Hockey Championships. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, top defenseman in the tournament. Uh, he was outstanding. The story of this tournament was Canada gold, Germany silver, Latvia bronze. Canada gold, Germany silver, Latvia bronze. Um, And by now, you'd have to be living under a rock not to have heard what's happened in Latvia. Uh, It is a national day off. They are celebrating a bronze medal. But it's a bronze medal. Yeah, but you win a bronze medal, right? They had to beat the Americans in overtime. It's the best um, result in a world hockey championships by Latvia ever uh, Germany and silver reminds me a couple of years ago when the Swiss were in the mix at the top end. Um, I, I, and there, there's some things that drive me nuts. Um, and, and again, I don't mean to bust chops on our peer group, but for those who felt it necessary to come out and say, yeah, but Russia wasn't here, but Russia wasn't here. I, okay. Russia wasn't here. Russia's in, illegally invading another country right now. They're war criminals. Let, let, what, do you, what do you want me to say? I'm supposed to have some sympathy for that? No. Latvia, celebrate like, you know, dance like nobody's watching. Have at her. Enjoy it. That's what sport's supposed to be about. Um, you know, again, Germany, congratulations. You know, with Stutzel and Dreisaitl, it's, a, it, it's just a, a golden age of German hockey. Um, I'm old enough. I'm in that group that's old enough to remember when it used to be Canada, USSR, and then maybe Czechoslovakia or maybe Sweden. And then the Russians and the Finns seemed to get involved. And then the Swiss were relegated, but then they got back in and the Germans. And now Canada, Germany, Latvia. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing. If you want to grow the game, you know what? We talked to uh, Craig Button a couple of weeks ago. Britain's getting back in. Britain will be in this tournament again next year. 
Uh, they've been in and they've been out. That's how it works. You qualify and then you get beaten up and then you get unqualified. And then you qualify again. Uh, there were times where Germany has been relegated. There have been times where Switzerland has been relegated. Hell, wasn't that long ago Latvia was relegated. Um, take it for what it's worth. I, I, I don't know why we feel so compelled every once in a while to uh, rain on people's parades. <clears throat> That's what I'm going to say about that. <sighs> you know, we should bring some sunshine into this program. That's what I think we're going to do now. Uh, we're going to bring some sunshine into this program, courtesy of our friends at Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Now, down to just the one location for the summertime. I was talking to Neil. They're keeping the McLeod Trail, as they always do, uh, store open, the one close to Chinook Center. That's open. The, the other three will open up again as we get back into the fall and back into ski season and snowboarding season. But I would be a little bit off base if I didn't kind of push you, nudge you, uh, kind of poke you towards checking out uh, that McLeod Trail location because there's some stuff, there's some, there's some things in there you need to check out that the pricing on is just too good to look past. So check them out, Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Uh, very pleased to have join us, uh, as she's often very kind to do, uh, our good friend from Global and now the Calgary Surge. Cami Kepke, everybody, has found her way into the studio today. How are you? First of all, how's your voice? Does Ski Seller Snowboard sell vocal cords? Holy cow. <laughs> Why are you doing this show? I don't Cause you asked. Yeah, I asked, but I didn't realize it was this bad. I'm doing the best I can with no, no, the tools I, I, I no, have. No, no, please Rob. understand that. No, I have by no means am I taking a run at you. I it's feel actually bad improved now. a lot over the Has last it? couple of days. But I think, like, I have new empathy for 13 year old boys because I realize now you can't control when your voice breaks. You cannot control it. <laughs> There's nothing to be done. That's not exactly where I figured that conversation was going when you started, but okay. I, I see. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to blame the crowd at that surge game. It was loud, wasn't it? It was crazy. You know, I do think basketball fans are louder than hockey fans at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. But, but it was so much fun in there. And I thought it was great because maybe people aren't hardcore basketball fans yet, but they are Calgary fans. A lot of the players actually aren't from Alberta. Nope. A lot of them are from Ontario, so yep. they don't quite get like how deep that rivalry goes. So it wasn't just that fans were cheering them on. It's also that they were booing Edmonton every time they had the ball. Yeah, but, I, you know, working that crowd, I, I think there was a fair amount of die. And the reason I say that was just some of the little things that happened non-prompted through the game. Uh, you know, where people that had either been to NBA games or followed teams or followed college teams or whatever, they knew when to stand. They knew, um, you know, it was it was like a library in there when, oh, when yeah. the surge had a free free throw. But Edmonton, it was ballistic, right? Yeah, I'm not at all saying like no, no, no they no, weren't no. like yeah. involved, intelligent fans. But the other thing that was really cool, I mean, you've been around mm -hmm. pretty much every team in this city, but you know how like some teams have those hardcore fans that you just start to like, associate with that team yeah like my go-to example are the hardcore tailgaters outside of mcmahon yep. they were there for the labor day classic when there wasn't even a game during the pandemic some of those hardcore roughneck fans some of the ushers yep. from flames games those people who i've never seen like it's like having different friend groups that you don't want yep. to intersect it's like i've never seen them at other sporting events but i saw a lot of those people at the surge game and embracing it which i thought was really cool 
I, uh, when, as soon as the game ends, I, the first thing I do is I go to the exit. Cause I just, you know, I want to be there in case somebody needs something or wants to ask about something or whatever. And, um, they came out of there like it was a playoff game. They were chanting, go surge, go. And, um, I think, uh, again, I go back to the little, little tirade I went on about the target score for some, it, it caught them off guard. And I think there was a little bit of confusion, but they picked up on it real quick. Um, so when do we need a target score refresher? I don't know. I, I talked about it so much on Saturday. I don't, but, and then yesterday, how could you not know about target score? Matt, now? we thought game one was dramatic. Well, this almost happened to Calgary. Like, that's the one thing nobody's talking about is Calgary They're nearly still... let that one get away in game one, right? They're throwing a couple of rocks, yeah. throwing a couple of rocks in the target, target yeah. time yeah. on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, new league record, <laughs> biggest comeback. In target score time, yeah. 16 points. Rugsy Miller-Moore was insane. He was doing it all just to get them there. And yeah. then Steph Smith, both those guys, former Guelph Nighthawks who chose to come to Calgary, Steph got the last seven points to seal the win on free throws, which was on free throws the same way yep. they won on Saturday. Yeah. No, it, it was so much fun. Um, I really enjoyed I don't know. Well, you didn't get a lot of opportunity because you were working, but the plaza ahead of time, you know, the plaza was, I think is normally open for 90 minutes or an hour before it was open for two hours and people were down there early and they were lined up for merchandise and they were lined up to, you know, take pictures of the mascots. It, it had that festival flavor to it, which I really like. Um, not unlike the stamps with the tailgating, right. Or with the, the, you know, the foot soldiers over at, at foot field. Um, I guess it's not foot field anymore. Is Did it? you mention that it was a league record for single day merchandise sales? I didn't. I, um, I, I tend to avoid those types mm -hmm. of things, uh, just because I'm not, you know, what does that mean? Uh, but yeah, no. And, and not only was it a single day, single game record, it was a single game record by a bunch. Um, but then you saw Winnipeg and uh, had a, a, an attendance record and they sold out twice. They sold out the lower bowl and then they opened up part of the second bowl at the Canada life center. And then that part sold out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's fun to see. I'm excited about it for the reasons I mentioned earlier. I, I want kids to have that opportunity. Um, you know, we can get into the caliber of the ball, uh, you know, people I talked to in the crowd kept saying the same thing. They weren't expecting it to be that good. Um, but you're talking about, a, you know, a bunch of the players are in G League. Um, I don't think people realize how thin that line is between these guys and honestly the NBA. The Surge had one player slated to come to camp who ended up not coming because he got an invite from the U.S. national team to go train for three on three for the Olympics. Right. He has yeah. that opportunity. And uh, GM Shane James told me that people are coming, players are coming to them because they're seeing the opportunities that players are getting. They can see this as a launching point. Yeah. And you have especially U sports players who now have this new window where they're going to get exposure where they wouldn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, it is what it is. It, like, you know, it's, it's minor league basketball, but I've seen really minor league basketball with the ABA drillers, 15 years ago. This isn't that. So anybody who's worried that it's a, a repeat of the drillers, don't worry. Completely different animal. Did you go to Outlaws games back in the day? Uh, no, or 88s. I, I don't believe I ever saw an 88s game. Um, those looked fun. Those did. I think, and and there's still a lot of people who remember Chip, and and uh, I think there's still a lot of allegiance to that league. Um, 
but I, I, I can't wait to see what it's like tomorrow. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, Tuesday is tough. It's also tough. They're playing three games in four days. They had an eight-day training camp, and some of those guys didn't get a full training camp. No. Nico McCullough got there like Thursday morning from New Zealand. Yeah. And then he played the exhibition game that night. Yeah. No, it's I simply could not. No, it, it's crazy. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You're part of the broadcast team. Yes. I am on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Trying my best to weasel my way into the scrum, see what's what and who's who. Uh, we the wonderful Mitch Peacock. You might have heard him on Hockey Night in Canada and everywhere in the Olympics. Yep. And the wonderful Jermaine Cummings on color. Those guys are fantastic. And uh, yeah, so I'll be uh, running around looking for stories in the crowd off the bench. Trying to preserve my voice. Trying to preserve your voice by coming on this show because I forced you to. Um, So what do you think Pinder's password is? Oh, it won't be hard. It's one, eight. Is it booze? One, one, eight, one. Hairbrush. It's not that. Haircut. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it has letters in it. Wow. Are we, ha- we're hacking into, to Pinder's, that's what we're doing now? Oh, I hope he left his social media up. Oh, I can definitely guarantee you he did. Um, well, we work on what, that. What is, what's the interactions been like so far? Um, to me, it was not taken aback, but it's uh, far more formal than I kind of expected it to be. If that makes any formal sense. Formal how? Um, like every, it's. It's pro, man. You know, uh, like I've seen, you know, how, you know, the old junior A days, you could walk onto the bench during the game and tap somebody on the shoulder or, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it's it's a pro game. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I just found no, it very it is, formal. It's well run. Like you're putting hours and hours of preparation into that to look into player backgrounds, what some of the storylines are coming in. And a lot of it is just like checking in with coaches before the game to let them know, like, who do I need? Like, fingers crossed there's no injury, but who do I talk to on your team to clear any information through you? Right. And uh, they've been great. The players have been fantastic. You're uh, pretty much free reign to uh, go up and grab them once the coaches let them know that they might get pulled for a walk-off yeah. interview. Uh, I don't think Simi Shitu knew what to do. I think I got to get an Apple box. I'm not quite sure he could I was. I, I actually suggested that to somebody because I was... Well, we had an Apple box and someone moved it and I couldn't find oh, it. Oh, that sounds about right. Uh, because I, I do remember the days when Gary used to carry one around. Yeah. Gary well, one of the guys scrubs. on the team, Kyler Kelly, he's seven feet tall. I'm five one. Yeah. Yeah. There's Doesn't a bit work. of a disparity there. A little right? bit. A little bit. Um, I, I, listen, I, you know, it, it was a lot of work to get to this point by a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people. Um, I was just happy. Like it just came away happy that it, it came off the way it did. It's a lot of fun. And it's weird that you have to kind of thank Edmonton for it too. Cause just over a year ago, the BCLAs were here. Yeah. That was the Edmonton stingers representing Canada hosting teams from Nicaragua and Puerto Rico. They were supposed to get wiped out. They won both of those matches and Edmonton's former star player. Now first year head coach taking over for Jermaine small. Yeah. Jordan Baker. U of a great. He was a big part of that. So I think that was a little bit of a trial run for Calgary as a CEBL market. And they saw that the venue worked, the support was there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I it's weird that we that. have to thank Edmonton for it in yeah, a way, I, for their part in it. It was always a little weird to me that it was here. And I'm sure there was a reason why, but what, you know, if, if the surge were, you know, fortunate enough to be in that position, why would they go somewhere else to play? You'd want to play in your home court, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. 
but it uh, there was some method to that madness. And and you know credit Mike Morreale and 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 the league. They had a great weekend. Like they had a lot to be proud of. They had a lot to talk about. Um, you know the credibility was probably the thing that I would imagine people were kind of waiting to test and and pay attention to. Um, I think they passed with flying colors. I'm excited it's in the city. I am just excited that people have a chance to go and watch it and support it. Totally. And it's not even just like... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You just... Because it's already such a good level of ball. We don't just have to be grateful it's there. You can expect a lot from the team. Mm -hmm. You're able to say, okay, love going to surge games. They're going to need to work on their shooting this weekend. They're really good. In the meantime, they're really going to need to focus on going yeah. hard in the paint and attacking the rim. Yeah. So we yeah. can have the expectations high. It'd well, be cool to have a championship weekend here or in Winnipeg, like one of the uh, expansion slash relocation markets. Yeah. It's where the, some of the fan reception has been. So. Yeah. Well, uh, like you say, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was nice to see as many people there as there were. It was nice to see them there early. It was nice to see as many kids there as there were. Um, yeah. And so tomorrow and then kind of a 10 day break at home. And then I believe the ninth is the next, uh, home game. Does that sound right? In June? Sounds Friday. Right. I'm going to double check that. Though. I don't know. My whole schedule is blurring together. Um, I know it's like, what is Stampeders? What is Cavalry? Oh. What are Okotoks dogs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the dogs had their home opener on Friday. So, you know, we're kind of into the swing now of the summer sports, aren't we? You know, and now we have quite a few summer sports. It's not just the Stampeders anymore. It's not just the dogs and the Cavalry and now the Surge. Like, if you're a sports fan, there's a, a bunch of, especially, you know, and, and for me, it's especially, I really appreciate the caliber of how minor sports has grown in our country and the professionalism of it. The dogs are just as, to me, it's just as good as going and watching minor pro baseball. Um, it's the same thing. It's great ballpark. The cavalry have elevated themselves away from what was that, you know, kind of tragic history of upstart 
professional teams in this city that, you know, had to play in, in antiquated or inappropriate venues and are now, um, well, let's put it this way. They've got crazy fans. Right. So they've evolved to the place where they have crazy fans. You got to keep in mind, too, the CPL and the CEBL pretty much launched at the worst possible time. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They've survived COVID and come out of it. Um, we are on the brink of a women's professional soccer team. Uh, that's only a couple years away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then if you had a women's professional hockey team in the winter, holy crap. <laughs> You got it right for a Canadian market. You've got a lot. Get Sandra Prusina back on that mic. Well, we have to do that. Absolutely. Um, let's. Um, the other thing I've been I was talk- talking to someone who said that Sandra should be calling NHL games. Yeah, me. Was it me you were talking to? Well, okay. I'd someone else. Okay. Never reveal your sources. No. Well, I'm, I'll tell you, she should be. I, I said all winter, she was the most important voice in Calgary sports. Right. She's got the seat time. She's doing it the right way. She's yeah. I mean, we're going to develop yet another female sports leader this time on the broadcast side. Not that you aren't. What well, I know your point of your No, no, no. I know that. What? You, you're a sports leader too. I no, wasn't I was dis- fist pumping. Oh, I thought Sandra. you were pointing at yourself. No. All right. Um, meanwhile, back at the dome, uh, we find that the Calgary flames now have a new general manager seven days into the job, Craig Conroy. Uh, this was surprising to you at all or no i thought like it made sense from the start and i liked what you said earlier about uh i mean we're all talking about how friendly friendly and sunny connie is but you can't mistake that for weakness no yeah no i think you do at your own peril but i'm curious like in all all of your years just being in the flames orbit it Mm -hmm. has there traditionally been pressure on new gms to start with a splash yeah there always is Everybody wants to know, like the assumption is somebody comes in and it's going to be a quick fix. And then what we find out is it takes time, right? It took, you know, I'm not sure. Jay Feaster's biggest impact to me was the immediate improvement in the draft. And there's a segment of the population that doesn't want to hear this. And they're going to hear it again from me. Part of that was he just let Todd Button do his job. And I think for a lot of years, Todd Button did his job, but he just wasn't listened to. And, and that's just because Daryl, as a general manager, had a rock-solid vision of the type of player he wanted, and he locked in, and that's the player he went and got. I think that's why, you know, you saw some of the picks, um, you know, where they did. But I think the first thing you look at is when Jay Feaster took over the draft table, part of that was he turned it over to Wisebrod and and, uh, and Button and, and let them draft. I'm not sure that we ever fully realized Jay's vision of what this team was going to be. He got rid of Jerome. He got rid of Jay Bomeister. He had the young kids coming, and then he was out. I think, you know, Brad Living came in. Um, I think he fairly quickly put his stamp on, on this organization, but I would also say it took two or three years before that stamp took, and then it. this was a team that the playoffs should have been and were an expectation every year. I mean, he won two division titles, right? We, we kind of forget that about the regular season. Um, I, I will say this, and you're not asking me, but I will say this. I think in many ways, the worst thing that happened to this team was the find away flames because I think they screwed it all up because it, it gave you a false sense of what this team was about. So with Craig, um, I think Craig comes in. I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, Jay, Daryl, yeah, so Daryl's a funny one. Daryl inherited himself, right? 
Daryl inherited himself. Then he made J Jim Playfair and then brought in Mike Keenan. Jay inherited Brent Sutter. Um, and then he went out and like it, lump it or whatever. It, as soon as he got here, he was always linked to Bob Hartley, Bob Hartley, Bob Hartley. Bob Hartley. Yeah, Bob Hartley. Devil up. Hartley. And, uh, you know, good, bad or indifferent. You got that Bob Hartley. And then, you know, Brad inherited Bob Hartley and then went through his litany. This is a unique position for for uh for craig he's coming in with the ability to choose his own coach that is not something that has been given to every general manager in this organization i mean the team has what it's going to say but what do you think the realistic timeline is to get that done do you need to have that in place before free agency and the draft yes and and not the draft as much as free agency if you are going to extend on july 1st the likes of an elias lindholm or a michael backland or a tyler to foley or or whatever they're going to want to know who they're playing for right um you know and and this is where i come back to the bite of craig conroy i do not believe that elias lindholm or um uh uh huberto are going to be the final voices on coaches. I know a lot of people said, oh, they got to get Andrew Burnett. Look what he did under Andrew Burnett, Huberto. Or they got to get Gerard Gallant, who was his junior coach. Is that right? Uh, is there some connection between Huberto and Gallant? I mean, I, I might from be. Out east. I... Any... No, he wasn't coaching the Sea Dogs. Okay. So anyway, it doesn't matter. My point being is that, you know, sometimes, you know, the Hardy Boys and then Nancy Drew and us, come out as detectives and we want to make a direct line between this guy and that guy and go, well, you got to have him. Craig Conroy is not going to get a coach that is specifically tasked with recovering one player's career. He will get the coach that he thinks can do the best of it. That's my opinion. Um, I'm looking at Ryan Huska. I think Mitch loves real easy to, to glom onto. I think Ryan Huska probably has, um, just as good a chance. If not, we knew he was interviewed by Detroit and we know there's other teams been kicking around. Um, I think, and you, you've seen him operate. He's, he's a very smart guy, very personable guy, not to take anything away from Mitch love. And, and I say this with all due respect, when Bob Hartley was hired by um, this club, John Cooper was coaching in Syracuse. Um, and I know somebody in this organization talked to John Cooper, but that, you know, you had the blinders on, you went and got your own guy. Um, I don't believe that Mitch Love is, I don't believe Mitch Love will be back as the Wranglers head coach. Let me put it that way. He's either the head coach of the Calgary Flames. He's on staff for the Calgary Flames, which we can get into that, or he's in another organization. Um, the, the part about Mitch Love is does Mitch Love, does he want to be in the NHL or does he want to be a head coach in the NHL? Does he want to go? You know, both Ryan Huska, his two predecessors, Ryan Huska and Kale McLean, both left head coaching jobs to go become assistant coaches in the NHL. Um, I often wonder about that, um, that sometimes, and I think Jim Playfair and I had a long conversation about this, you can get derailed. If you're a good head coach in the minors and you go to the NHL, you you need to kind of get that head coaching job quick or people are going to forget you're a head coach and you're going to go to be a career assistant coach, right? It's very difficult for those guys who get 10, 15 years into the NHL. It's not unprecedented, but very difficult that those guys go that long and then don't get those head coaching opportunities. Are you better if you're Mitch Love to stay in the American Hockey League and be a head coach of the American Hockey League? I would think the compensation is fairly similar. It may not be exactly the same, but I would think 
you might even make a little bit more in the American League as a head coach than you do in the NHL as an assistant. Now you're flying charters and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, and you're not flying on buses and craziness. Um, but Mitch Love's a very interesting guy in all of this. And then Peter Laviolette's name has been in there. If we can like pause on Mitch Love for oh, a second, sure, like, absolutely. Put, put yourself in Connie's shoes. Yeah, I if- often do. <laughs> Got good shoes. He always man's an immaculate dresser. Uh, I thought like side note, all the surge players have really cool shoes. I know they're the fancy ones. I don't know the names. Yes. It's a Danny Austin question. Yes. But but, okay. Yeah. If uh, Mitch Love were to agree to come on as an assistant coach, what area would you want him to be specializing in? Hmm. I I'm, I'm going to pause on that because um, I, I really don't know at who's, expense that would be right uh this team's penalty kill was okay this team's power play was not um this team's defense was this again this team's structure was okay didn't allow a lot like i i i know it's real easy to take and kick dirt on the calgary flames but there's something to be said that they're a point better than the team in the stanley cup final right now during the regular season they were they had structure they had lots of shots. I think if Ryan Pike was here, Pike would talk about, you know, shot volumes and metrics and things like that. They weren't dangerous, but they had lots of shots. Um, I'm not worried about that as much as I'm worried about, like, how do you get them to all buy back in? Um, how do you get them to enjoy coming to the rink yet bust their balls to go through a wall for you? I, I think there's there's a lot of things that need to be done that are not structure. You know, I, I, they're not going to play the same system as Daryl did. They just won't. Nobody does. Um, but I, I'm more, you know, more concerned about uh, this team looked motivated on most nights, but never looked inspired. Never once looked inspired. Oh, I disagree. You thought this team was inspired? No, I didn't think they look inspired. No, me neither. But they were motivated. They could be motivated. Mm. Well, no, because motivated. I'm thinking like particularly the loss to the Blues on home ice. No, but when I say they're motivated, you know, they want to win. They they created a lot of shots. They did the things. They did the little things that we were supposed to do. They just weren't inspired. They were motivated, sure. But do you want to be motivated or inspired? I think it's, I really think it comes down to that. And I think it's a, it's a thin edge of a sword. But I think the difference between being and playing inspired and playing motivated, I think, you know, if I come in here and yell at you. Was it the Blackhawks game where Kadri was on the ice for uh, two of those bad goals? He had one. Sure. Was that the one? Sure. Yeah, I think so. But he wasn't inspired. You could not tell me he was, uh, that team was motivated on that night. I am not I, buying I, No, no, no. But not, for not, 80, not for 82 it. games, but they won games too, remember. They didn't go 0 and 82. So they did win some games. The Rangers, after the... They had that stretch of playing these incredible games and losing in overtime, right? They beat, not beat, but they outplayed the best team in the National Hockey League by a large margin lost in overtime. They were motivated. They weren't inspired. If they were inspired, they would have found a way to win. Inspired teams do things that other teams can't do. And I think that's a big difference. And it's just a me difference. Cammy, you may have a different terminology for it, but to me, I think when you go out there and you funnel as many shots as you do and you cut down as many shots and you block as many shots, but you don't win, now you're playing motivated hockey. But when you can go out there and find that goal with 4.3 seconds left on a power play to win a series, you're playing inspired hockey. This team never played inspired hockey. 
And that's how do you get back to that? Because they're capable of it. I, I don't I don't buy rebuild and all that. That 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 to me, you're giving this whole roster a pass. This roster does not deserve a pass. It it was not, it was way below its own abilities, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. No, I think a lot of players are going to have bounce back years, especially like some of the guys who went to world looking at like a Mackenzie Weger, he's really coming on at the end. And uh, I look to Andrew Mangiapane, you know, uh, he went to Worlds uh, two seasons ago and lit it up, yep. lit it up, helped them win yep. gold, was a huge part of that, came in and had a career best season. Yep. It happens. Yeah. He's going to bounce like, so like the real Andrew, like the reality of what he can produce is probably somewhere in the middle of Absolutely. that high season, what we saw this season. There's going to be a bounce back. I'd see like Uyghur having a bounce back. I think Huberto is going to bounce back. I think Markstrom's going to bounce back. I think everything's just going to go back to media because that's I, what the Flames do year that, after year. And, and, and I was just about to say that. But I do think more speed and more creativity will be and, and so that, sorely needed and more engaging for yeah, fans. So let's talk about this. So that where's that going to come, come come from? The youth, right? So are are we all we all are in agreement that this team needs to get younger? But are we all prepared to live with that? Because youth, you know, if the Flames youth was top three picks in the draft, it's a different story. They're not. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to fall behind. I had a, a wonderful conversation with a gentleman who coached in the National Hockey League, scouts in the National Hockey League, who played in the National Hockey League. And we talked on Thursday. And he just, I, I've heard you talk about him. I've heard you talk about him. Rob, I just don't think Matthew Phillips is an NHL player. And we had a wonderful conversation about it. And I totally respect where he's going to come from. But I think you have to be trying these things. You can't, you know, you can't sit Poirier for six games because you're mad the general manager called him up, right? You can't bury Connor Mackey. You can't, you can't, you can't. And, uh, you know, Val Mackey cannot be lost on waivers because you don't like him. I, I, that's the one thing, and I don't know if he addressed it, but I've had this conversation with Conroy before you have to develop players at the NHL level. And the, uh, the last coach here. No, he definitely said that. Like that's happening this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, because so the last, he was pretty because, emphatic on that one. Right. But the, the last coach didn't believe in that. Yeah. And the last coach has two Stanley cup rings and the last coach is going to be a hall of famer. And the last coach isn't as much as everybody wants to make him the villain, all of this, he ain't the villain. He isn't. The players have some culpability in this too. Right. You know, um, I don't like getting yelled at, but if I'm the reason that we're not going, then I'd better pick it up. You know, I can't sit there and go, well, he's mean to me. And I'm not saying anybody, but they, sometimes they play like he's mean to me and, and it can't be that way. Right. And, you know, I was talking about Brad for living, going to um, Toronto and I love Brad. He's a friend of mine and I want good things to happen for him. And I'm not the right guy to talk to, but um, you know, if Brad had a, a, a failing or a, a thing that I would have liked to have correct or would have liked to have had a chat about would have been, um, why do you let your coaches dictate your roster so much? Cause he let, you know, and I have no leg to stand on this, but I believe that his injury or his uh, career was sidelined because of injuries. Uh, but I believe Sven Berchi was run out of here way too soon by Bob Hartley way too soon. And then three months later, they're going, we got no skill on the wing. Well, you had skill on the wing. You didn't like him, And you, so you ran him off. You know, and and that was personal. That wasn't, you know, Bob Bob didn't like him from the Swiss League, sort of thing. So, 
And we all have that. I mean, there's people I like and people you don't like as we build up our own teams. There's people but we Hasn't that been like what we've been talking about all season that we don't know that that was Brad's call? What? To have more control over what his coach was doing with the roster. Oh, no, no. That was Murray Edwards. No, no that's... But Murray that, gets to make so that call. How does call. that reflect as a, as a uh, failing on Brad's part? Because he's going to go to Toronto and people are going to ask him about that. Right? No, I, I'm just... No, that's... No, me saying it's a failing on Brad's part because I don't think he should have let uh, Hartley talk him into getting rid of Berchi. Mm -hmm. I don't think he should have let Daryl. I don't know, again, to your point, I don't know if he could have done anything. And again, I kind of feel compelled to go, while we're talking about uh, Murray Edwards, we should point out that, you know, Bill Foley in, in Vegas is nuts. You know, it, it's th th this is not a unique, there's nothing about Calgary that was unique this year. It really isn't. It feels unique. It feels like you're the only person going through it, but there's all kinds of teams that, sorry, that's my billion dollars on the line. I will tell you who I want coaching and won't and who I want playing. I kind of feel like I get that. I understand that maybe more now than I ever have. Um, I've always felt you own a uh, professional sports team in public trust, that you hold it in public trust, that you don't actually own it, that, that the city owns it. But I've just watched the Calgary Surge get built. And you know what? Usman and Jason have a, <laughs> they have something to they have some right to have some saying decisions. We might have a potential NHL owner in the house down the road. Really? I think there's going to be some special guests at each of the game home games. Oh no, there year. is special guests. I, yeah. I got one of them. Um, oh no, you were at the first game. Sorry. Um <laughs> inside joke. No, no. Um, yes, I believe you are correct. I believe you were correct. But and and that, side uh, note. Yeah, side note. Uh, just because you uh, mentioned Daryl is going to be a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. There's currently no Sutter in the Hall of Fame. Should the family as a whole go in? I put it. I. We put them in in the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame for that exact reason. We put them. We. We. Uh, decided because of the mandate was X amount of players, X amount of builders, and X amount of teams. That we felt that they were a unique situation and we put them in under the team category and inducted them as a team, including Grace, the mother. So I have, if you go to my website, Rob Cardassier, and you go to the broadcast, one of the slide pictures you'll see is me interviewing all seven brothers at the Hall of Fame. Um, yes, I think Daryl deserves, I think Daryl deserves to go in the Hall of Fame as a coach. I do. Um, I think you could make a compelling case that Dwayne and, and Brent need to go in for the work of the Islanders. But to your point, I wonder if they just go in like collectively as builders. I think it's the right thing to do. It would be interesting. But the, but you, can you imagine, you know, people up in Edmonton who do not have the connection to the Sutters listening to this conversation going, what the hell are you talking about? It, it, it's, I feel like I it still permeates like, junior hockey up there. Though. What's that? That still permeates the junior hockey world. Okay, Winnipeg, Vancouver. Well, uh, Ronnie played in Vancouver, I believe. So, oh, so did Brandon. Yeah, that's right. Brandon, Brandon Sutter. Yeah, I, I saw him uh, the first time I ever met Brandon Sutter. He was reading Giraffes Don't Dance to a class in Prince George. Oh, okay, okay. We're holding training camp. Up oh, there. up there, and yeah. he was he did a school visit. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually cool. Like a lot of the, actually a lot of the Canucks that year, they missed their flight back to Vancouver because they stayed late to sign autographs for all the kids outside the CN center up there. And there's like, we'll get another flight. Yeah. Yeah. And little did they know there were no other flights out of Prince George, but yeah, no, there were no, I, I, I it's, 
it's an interesting topic. I, the hall of fame one's always, a, uh, to me is, is been somewhat of a frustrating conversation to have. Um, I respect everything he did. I respect him as being a, a, a good coach, but I was not ever one of those. Well, Pat, why isn't Pat Burns in guys? I, I didn't feel that I felt he was a good coach. I just didn't feel like he changed the game kind of thing. Um, Daryl goes in because he didn't change the game, but he fought the game. He, he did not play the way everybody else played. Daryl played the way that Daryl felt you had to play. And he was committed to that. And he won two Stanley cups in Los Angeles because of it. He also got the King, uh, the uh, Hawks and the flames to Stanley cup finals. And, and, you know, his, his record coaching record is what it is. Now you don't have to like him today because he's not cute and cuddly, but you can't take away his, uh, his accolades as a coach. Do you watch succession? No, I don't. I should have. Do you watch succession? No, I have no idea what that is. It's oh a show gosh. on HBO. See, I'm a big, no and, and I don't know why I don't watch it. Cause I'm a big Brian Cox fan. I'm surrounded by uncultured swine. <laughs> Kidding, guys. I'm sorry. There's sorry, too much sorry, TV sorry. to watch. Okay, days. someone out there who watches Succession, oh, do all, you eh? see any similarities between Daryl Sutter and Logan Roy? Please reach out to me. I don't know who that who that's supposed to be complimentary to. Logan Roy or Daryl? I mean, Logan Roy built an empire. He did. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, so anyway, what were you talking about? Coaching. Right. We got into yeah. this because of coaching. So who the next coach is. Uh, and I believe you were asking about when I think you got to have it for free agency. So I think you got to have it in the next couple of weeks. And I, I don't get the sense that, that Craig wants anything to grant grow under his feet. I think he's got a, a laundry list and he'll go through it. Um, I always felt this was Craig Conroy's job. I was not surprised when Craig Conroy got the job. I do not feel that way about the coach. I completely, uh, you know, I'm waiting with bated breath to see who the coach is. I, I hope it's Ryan Husker or Mitch Love or he, nobody brings up Kale McLean's name, but I, I'm a big Kale McLean fan. Um, but who knows? Uh, you know, the, the fact that Gerard Gallant, and Peter Laviolette's names have come up, come, have somewhat surprised me a little bit because they're not going to come cheap, mm -hmm. right? And you're paying a coach a handsome uh, amount of money to stay away right now. Right. Well, you mentioned, uh, you also mentioned Connie's to-do list, his laundry list. Yeah. Which of these two scenarios do you think is more likely? Okay. Elias Lindholm resigns yeah. or signs an extension. Michael Backlund leaves. Which, which is more likely and which happens first? Well, you know, Boomer sat in that same chair not that long ago and was absolutely adamant that you don't sign Lindholm. You let him walk. Um, or not let him walk. You walk? trade. No, you, know, you let him trade. Say that's you, insanity. No, no. You let him. You trade him. Sorry. Danny is screaming somewhere. No, but you know what? The very uh, thought the of the guys that. pulled that clip, and that was the clip they shared from the show, and it just reminded me of how um, the internet gets angry about stuff because there was no shortage of uh, anger aimed at the opinion that I had, which was no, you got to sign him. That. Um, you know, and, and I, again, I don't know who that is. I don't know if that's, there's always the crowd. And I don't say this as, as it sounds, it's not, in, it's not intended to be a slight, but there's a crowd that's far more interested in what could be than what is right now. 
you got to prepare for this. You need to do this. You got to, and I don't think they ever live in the moment. I think they're always living a draft or two ahead. And that's okay. If that's how you consume the sport, that's how you consume the sport. Who's your number one center? And if not him, then who? Right? Because the last time I checked, I don't believe any of these kids coming up from, uh, you know, from the Wranglers or centers. And I don't believe you're sitting on a young center who's ready to blossom. Um, I, I think you have to move heaven and earth to keep uh, Elias Lindholm. But I think the Bo Horvat comparison is probably where this lands, right? That's where you're going to have to pay him. The Michael Backlund question is the one for me. Um, speaking of the internet, probably the stupidest thing that's ever been sent to me. And the funny thing is the guy had coach in his moniker was, why do you keep talking about Backlund as the captain? He's never had a fight in the NHL. Well, two things, Shorty. Uh, one, he did have a fight back in 2013. And what the hell does fighting have to do with being the captain? Um, so I, I, I the, the internet often, um, you know, the seas can be rough. Um, I prefer they kept both. I prefer that they kept both. Your question is, which is more likely? I would have to say um, Lindholm, Backlund is more likely to stay. He's here. He's been here. He's got roots here. He's all of those things. The dude just wants to be captain. That's all he wants to do is leave. Uh, this he's talking. No, he said Stanley cup. Oh, well, not presser. Uh, sure. Yeah, yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. What I, I missed the flames make that would convince a player in that position that they are closer than they were. They a made year it. Ago. Do you th- is it as simple as Daryl is, is Conroy. I, I think if you brought in another general manager that these players didn't have um, a relationship with, then I don't know how quickly you moved anything, right? Did you move it closer to center? Maybe, but you have to have those conversations. All of these players have a track record with Conroy. All of them know Conroy. There is no Daryl here anymore. So to me, um, you know, you, you move it a, a little bit more of a rapid pace. Um, but I don't ever want to sit and put myself in the shoes of, uh, you know, me who 60 seconds ago just said that all Backlund wants to be is the captain. So I don't want to put myself in his shoes. Sorry. Uh, I don't want to put myself in the shoes of Lindholm. I assume that, that Backlund just wants, yes, he wants to win. They all want to win. But I, I hearing what I heard, you were closer to it than I was. I think it's a matter of respect. I think Backlund just was looking to be respected as the leader on this team. He stood up, he went toe to toe with Daryl that is now in the public record. Um, all of those sort of things. I think he just, you know, he'd be happy to stay here and lead and, and fight for a Stanley cup, which he thinks he can do under, under Craig. I cannot speak for Elias Lindholm. What do you think? Which one of your, I can't wait to see how this plays out. Well, <clears throat> I think it's going to play out fairly quickly. I, I like once that first domino goes, like once the first domino falls, it's just going to, it's going to determine your trajectory right now. It's like a train barreling down the tracks and it's hiring a good, like there's three tracks ahead of you. You got free agency, yep. hire a coach draft, and you're just waiting for someone to I'm not, pull the trigger to decide. Like I'm not worried about the draft. I think Jack, was it Ryan that was talking about, moving Lindholm to Columbus for the third yeah, round pick. Yeah, that was a big 
conversation. Was that an actual thing or was that just a scenario that I he was I think playing? it was just a scenario that someone had written up. I okay. believe it was actually Julian who was in here the other day. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That was a bad analogy on my part. I'm just saying, like, whatever that first move is, that that's going to determine no, but, what happens but, but, with those but other that, But that, if that were to be something that they did, that would be, you know, that would make the draft, the priority in the draft a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like, I see the draft priority right now is third in that list. They've, they've had their amateur scout meetings. They know where they're picking. They've got their picks. You know, if they do something, they'll get some more. They'll add to it. But I don't I don't honestly believe that they're trying to use a lot. Maybe they are. Why St. Lindholm? To, but would you, if you're Columbus, would you do that deal? I don't know if you do that deal. Right? Really? You're the third overall pick for Lindholm? Well, you'd have to get more than that. Oh, no, it'd be more than that. Yeah, but, like it'd be a package, but, but I think it'd be would you want to give up uh, drafting Fantilli? Because it's Fantilli or the um, the Swedish kid. <laughs> you know, the Swedish kid. Um, I'm, I'm not up on my draft, but I know that there's plateaus in there. But I, I don't know. Lindholm's getting close. He's, you know, closer to the back. Uh, yeah, I, I was really kind of like prime age right now. I think uh, they've had so many struggles. Like reuniting him with Gujo would probably be pretty enticing for them. Maybe you're right. I, I don't see. But I mean, he didn't exactly just, like he wasn't wanting. For I just don't like how often do those top picks move? Yeah. Right. How often do the teams, especially for older players, move? But you've made that's an interesting point you raise. You've made this investment in both uh, Johnny and uh, have you done it with um, uh, former Jet? Line A. Line, line A. Thank you. Have they invested in Line A too, or are they about to invest in Line A? I used to know all this stuff off the top of my head. Now I, I'm so full of information that the bug I, that took my voice also took my memory. He has three years left. That yeah. he eight, has seven. three years. And how much? Eight seven. Eight seven. Okay. So if you think you could bring in Lindholm to make those two guys go, maybe, maybe, and you get Lindholm on a very uh, cap friendly deal for one year, right? I just don't see how anybody's given up a top three pick in this draft. I just don't see it. Right. Um, so I, anyway, I'm still prioritizing Lindholm as a, as your number one center, if not him, then who, yeah. right. And somebody has got to play that position. It's not an easy one to grab through trades no. either. The, the, no. And the guy that the guy whose name that comes up that surprises me a little bit is Hannafin just because I think uh, I often feel like this team's blue line the last couple of years has been maybe a little overrated uh, at times. Um, I like Oliver Shillington, but I don't think Oliver Shillington's the defenseman that everybody thinks he is. He could be, but I still think he's a risk reward guy. I think Noah Hannafin, um, you know, Zadorov. There, I you know, I come into the show sometime, or I come in and watch Barnburner sometimes when I'm early, and sometimes Zadorov's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and then sometimes he's the worst thing they ever did. Um, I think Rasmus Anderson's a There's a some similarities between Hannafin and Zadorov where they do some things really well, really sound, but then it's like once a game, it's like, what were you thinking? Yeah. There's just that one play. Yeah. That one play. And this year, goaltending wasn't always there too. No, it wasn't, wasn't a bail you out. And I think that's that that's a very fair point on the defense. The the, the you know, the defense the goalies often do make up for some of the glaring errors. Um, 
you know, I'm silly enough to think that re-signing Troy Stetcher is not a bad idea because I liked him down the stretch. Yeah, but I think a lot of other teams will also be interested in him, in him and the Flames just don't really seem to have the cap space to play with it. It would have to no. be like a Troy willing to maybe take a little less to stay here. Yeah. And besides, if you're making these moves, these potential moves, and Craig said that, you know, I believe he said he can't, he won't come back with the same core intact. So he's kind of signaling that he's going to make some moves. You don't know what's coming back the other way, too. You don't know what they're prioritizing coming back the other way. They may be looking for a young defenseman or or a puck mover or whatever. Um, you know, it, I, I think to your point about the three streams right now, I think the coach is the top priority. I think the free agents are the second one, and I think the draft is third. I really do. I think they're, they're kind of set where they are. Um, you know, I get the sense, and I may be proven wrong on this, and at least in the first round, that this might be a move up or move down draft where you could see them moving back and picking something extra up to do that. Or maybe they package something and move up because somebody's loose that they didn't think would be there, um, which is, you know, it's kind of like San Diego weather. Uh, it's 50% chance of being rainy. It's 50% chance of being gorgeous. Could happen. It might not. I don't know. Um, but to me, the biggest thing is what happens roster wise before July 1st how does he put his stamp on this I don't think he's putting a stamp on it but I think he's going to be forced to make a move I really do and I think this week we find out what the cap's going to yes okay yep. could be as much as two million could hot be. dog yeah I know I'd like to I'm just going to picture in my head that Connie's going to live out draft day like uh Kevin Bacon <laughs> in the smash movie draft day no uh Kevin Costner oh right yeah Oops. Kevin Bacon was in Footloose. They're all the same. They, yes, they all blur together, don't they? Same. Yeah. Monte Mac, no matter what. No. I, you know, and, and then beyond that, it's, nobody seems too concerned about tomorrow. Tomorrow's kind of a big day, don't you think, for the Calgary Flames? Because we'll know who the, who's forming the government. Right? Did you exercise your right no, to I'll vote No, I'll exercise today, when I go home. I, I got to... Uh, no, exercise your right to vote. No, I said I'll exercise my right to vote when I go home. Okay. Um, but I got to tell you, this is the upteenth election that I've been part of. And I've, I've always believed that, oh, you know, Democratic, you know, people fought for you. They did, they did, they did, they did, they did. This is the one time I, I'm not going to chastise people. I just, I don't, it just, I don't, uh, yeah. there's nobody out there speaking for me right now. I just, this is... There's always been guys you could hold your nose and vote for and say, okay, well, this time or whatever, or, you know, I've got party allegiance here and I don't necessarily like them, but the party, this time is the first time that if somebody came to me and said, you know what, I just couldn't do it either way. I get it. And that's the problem is it's either way. It's not, you know, like some of our past elections four or five different opportunities or choices. It's really come down to two. And I got to be honest with you, neither one of them impresses me. They, and for different reasons, one hasn't shown me anything. The other one just keeps pointing fingers at the other one. Um, this isn't what democracy is supposed to be. This, you know, and this BS about the negative campaigning and they're both doing it. And it's such an American thing. And I apologize to friends like Craig and Chris Snow, who are Americans. And I don't mean it that way, but um, I'd like to see some decorum returned. I, I'm just a pox on both houses. That's just how I feel. A pox on both houses. Um, this is, it, it, you should feel energized and excited about voting. And I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I need to do it. I have to do it, but I, I have no, 
you know, I'm not going there with a great deal of confidence that anything's going to change. Even if we change the government, the new government's going to come in and just unchange what the old government did. And then when they get back in, they're going to go in and we, we don't have statesmen anymore. We don't have statespeople anymore. We don't have leaders anymore. We just, we have all of these special interest people that are, um, you know, jumping up. And I, it's not to say that there aren't good politicians. I'm sure there are, but the party system sucks and the leadership, you know, particularly for one is fractured. And, you know, my, I don't know about your neighborhood, but now it's become this game uh, with the, uh, uh, the, the signs in my neighborhood. It's a game with the signs, right? Like, you know, here's all the lies. And then somebody puts a small sign beside it, or it's about leadership and they put a little sign beside it or whatever. It's, it's, it just, it feels like a game show more than an election. I don't know. As someone who works for a news organization, yeah. no comment. Okay. I'm not getting anyone in trouble today. No, don't bother. They're buzzing over. They're buzzing over there at the newsroom tonight. No, Tell I, you what. And, and I'm I'm ecstatic for that. I mean, you know, I, I know how hard people work on election day, and I know how hard people have worked for these candidates. And I, and again, you know, you deserve credit if you're going to stand. And let your name be counted. You deserve credit. I'm just so disappointed in the whole system. It just, uh, I don't feel like I'm represented by anybody. I really don't. And and that's the kind of the first time I felt that normally, as I said before, I could either like a person or I could like a party, but this time I just feel like, you know, they're both, you know, tell me what you're going to do. Don't tell me what the other guys are doing. I don't care what you think they're doing. You tell me what you're doing. And you know, the one side spread a lot of money out there before the election. And I happen to work for some groups that got it. And what worries me is that next year stuff's going to get cut to make up for it. I've seen that movie before. So generally, kids, I'm not very optimistic about this election. Let me put it that way. I think but what you're feeling is a, a little Monty Python-esque. I, I was just looking up. I was trying to find the quote from the peasant. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the uh, media coverage. Can I just say this is the first time I've been on television? You've never seen that Monty Python skit about the election coverage? No, <laughs> no, no you can't. I've seen that one. Hmm? The Holy Grail is one of my favorite movies. Oh, it's not in the Holy Grail. It was part of yeah. uh, Flying yeah. Circus, which this kind of feels a little bit like a flying circus. All right, Missy, I'm not going to do any All right, more they're autonomous collective. Oh, yes. Okay. Now, yes. When the king comes through and they're in the field. Yes. We're help, a monarch help. I'm being repressed. I'm being repressed. Come see the violence inherent in the system. Yeah. I don't feel I'm being repressed. I really don't feel I, like I'm being repressed. Uh, but no, I, I just like how he's like, uh, uh, anacro syndical. Syndicalist commune. We take it in turns to act as a sort of executive officer for the week, but all the decisions of that officer have to be ratified at a special bi-weekly meeting by a simple majority in the case of purely internal affairs, but by a two-thirds majority in the case of more. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Help, help. I'm being oppressed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't read that fast. Our kids that, are, that's Monty Python. My kids though. are never going to know the joy of watching Monty Python. This generation won't understand the joy of watching Monty Python for the first time. Um, oh, hey, before I let you go, uh, what else are you watching? Keeping your eye on stamps are not that far from opening up. No, very excited for that. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, getting ready. Uh, tomorrow's uh, surge game is going to be on uh, TSN. Oh, okay. Also on TSN. All games are on TSN plus and mm -hmm. CEBL plus. Mm -hmm. So no, I'm uh, 
we're actually not working that game tomorrow. So uh, really looking forward to uh, just going down and taking in the game action with our uh, play-by-play man, Mitch Peacock, our color analyst, Jermaine Cummings. So come on down and say hi. Should be good. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming in. I, I feel terrible that I made you do this. I just feel You bad. talked to me on the phone the other day. I thought you realized I sounded like this. Yeah, but I thought you'd get over it. I thought I would too. It's been like this, honestly, for about a month now. You're going to be like the new Kathleen Turner. Uh, yeah, right. Good. Hey, yeah. You can play the femme fatale in mm. movies and stuff like that. You know, dark hat, one of those long cigarettes. Don't smoke, kids. Don't. It's a bad habit. Um, but yeah, you got the raspy voice going, eh? Or I'm going to turn into like the receptionist for Monsters, Inc. Yes. Wazowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very, very I wasn't going territory. there. I, I preferred the femme fatale, but if you want to go to the Monsters, Inc. character. Oh, I'm definitely leaning more towards the Monsters, Inc. character. I, I got it. <laughs> Let's be honest here. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Thanks kid. There you go. Cami Kepke from Global and from the Calgary Search Broadcast team joining us, courtesy of Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. One location currently still open here this summer. They're all going to open up again in the fall, but one location this summer, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center. Uh, all kinds of deals still to be had. I, again, yes, they're down to the one location, and yes, it's you know really nice and nobody's skiing at the moment, uh, but you will be skiing again, so check it out. Head on down, Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Um, I am going to take the opportunity to do a little bit of a, uh, well, you know, because I can. It's my show. Um, as our final mile here, I just want to highlight uh, two of my favorite groups in town. Uh, the Calgary Flames alumni who held their annual Masters Golf Tournament last week in benefit of CP Kids and their adapted bike program. If if you haven't seen the work that CP Kids and families are doing with the adapted bike to make sure that kids can get out in their neighborhood, ride a bike like every child should, check it out. And the Flames alumni have been at the forefront of that. But another thing which was really cool uh, some of, you know, um, I have been known in the past because I, uh, me and golf have a very difficult relationship. Um, I, it doesn't like me. I don't like it. Uh, so my, uh, my thing has always been, uh, I'll go and do the talking goalie and as a little entertainment, you know, as you're passing by, you know, charge you 20 bucks for four shots. If you score a goal, you get an entry. And, um, I didn't think I was going to be there this year. So we had to come up with an alternative and then I was going to be there. And uh, by the time we came up with that alternative, there's no way we could turn back. So we took two of our superheroes goalies, Harrison and Noah, the goalie, the legendary Noah, the goalie and Harrison, the tender. And they agreed to be the talking goalies. And I went out with them as well. And they raised over $1,700 on the golf course for CP kids and families. Why is that important? Well, it's important to me for this reason. Five years ago, these kids didn't have a place to play hockey in Calgary. Now they do. There's three teams in Calgary. And not only do they get a chance to play and practice and get better, and not only do their families become hockey families, and not only are we getting them from behind the glass, but now they're getting the full athlete experience as they should. Because how many of us who have played sports or coached sports or managed sports, and particularly in the last number of years, it's become the right thing to do. We also give back to our community. We volunteer. We do bottle drives. We somehow make it better for the place we live in. Well, we're now doing that with our superheroes players. They have twice now um, donated their time and volunteered to raise uh, pet food for parachutes for pets. But Noah and Harrison took time away from school and volunteered their time and were the talking goalies and raised $1,700 
for CP kids and families, for somebody else. They're doing what young athletes everywhere get to do, should do, and are inspired to do. That, to me, is cool. It could not happen without the Calgary Flames alumni, big supporters. It could not happen without Kevin Hodgson and his leadership over at Heroes and Superheroes. And it could not happen without two wonderful families in both uh, Harrison's case and uh, Noah the goalie's case. Their uh, mothers and dads, respectively, were there, and uh, they are huge ambassadors for us. But I just think it's a, a little insight. Yes, it's bleak, and yes, we complain about things at times, but there's some real positives happening out there. And I want you to know that the team in this city, yeah, we can criticize their on-ice performance. Yeah, we can get a little crabby with their lack of an arena and a little crabby with their owner sometimes, whatever we want to do. Don't ever, ever sleep on the foundation. Don't ever, ever sleep on the alumni. They're world-class, and we're lucky to have them. We're lucky to have you. A little bit of a shorter show coming up this week, though. How about this on Wednesday? Peter Marr and Vicki Hall on the same show. That's right. Peter Marr and Vicki Hall. Friday's show is going to be interesting. Eric DeHatchuk is going to join us, but we're also bringing in a guy that I've gotten to know uh, quite quite fondly, actually. Uh, he's a season ticket holder for the Flames. He's a fan of the Flames. He's an outspoken fan of the Flames. So often a show like this might take a tweet or a text or an email and go, there we go. That's representative of the flames. We're going to bring in Anthony uh, Cox on uh, Friday, and we're going to sit down and talk from a flames fans perspective about what this off season has been like. So we want to do something a little bit different. Looking forward to that. Can't say enough about Jack, our outstanding producer. Can't thank Cammy enough for stopping by barn burner tomorrow. We're back in on Wednesday. Have a great day, everybody. We will talk soon.